Good morning. Happy Sabbath. It's good to be here with you this morning and today. And I'm excited to hear about your evangelistic um, program you'll be having next April. And aren't you excited? Aren't you excited? If you're excited, let me hear you say amen. Amen. And so just to hear the plans that are going on for your preparation, because unless we're rightly trained, we're not going to be effective. So it's good to hear how God is leading you here at Advent Hope. I've been asked today to speak in the preparation for those meetings, to focus on revival, especially in the three meetings today, this morning and this afternoon, especially looking at heart reform, because I need a heart reform. How about you this morning? What do you say? Amen. So this morning, we're we'll looking at heart reform this afternoon, again on Sabbath, heart reform, and then the last one, spending time with God, getting to know God, combined with the morning devotionals, how to have morning devotions. And um, this morning, the sermon is entitled, Fully Known and Yet Fully Loved. Fully Known and Yet Fully Loved. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 in your Bibles as we go through our study this morning. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. As Adventists, we've been told in the scriptures that there will be a people in Revelation chapter 14 who will have no guile or fault before the throne of God. We've been told in the Word that there will be 144,000 who will follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. We are told in the Scriptures here that there will be a final generation who will have the character of Christ perfectly reproduced within them. I want that character within my life. How about you? Amen? Amen. And God has a message for His people in the last days that there needs to be a people who reflect His character of love. And that's what God wants us to reflect. But beloved, what is not often been told and seen is how one is to obtain this character perfection that God will have his people in the last days. Now we hear a lot about, and I've heard a lot about the what, the where, and the when, but God's impressing me that we need to understand more of the how and the why. What do you say? Amen? Amen. And the why is love this morning. The wise love. We're told in the scriptures that we are to behold the Lamb of God. And Jesus Christ as the Lamb died on the cross. And as we behold the love of God as revealed on the cross of Calvary through the Lamb, it will take away the sins of the world. I want my sins taken away. How about you? Amen? I want my selfishness taken out of my heart. We're looking at heart reform. I want pride to be taken out of my heart. I want to be unselfish and loving and kind in my family, to my wife, to my husband. To my children, I want to be patient and kind to everyone. And God says, in order to happen, you must first behold the Lamb of God, which then would take away the pride and selfishness out of our hearts. I want that, beloved. How about you? Amen? Amen. And God wants this morning a heart to reform. In God's remnant church in these last days, Seventh-day Adventists who will have first a heart reform in their lives. I'm going to read to you a quotation from Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, page 76. Notice what she says. If we want sin to be taken out for the final generation, notice this is the how, this is the why. Notice what she says. She says, God does not employ compulsory measures. Love is the agent which He uses to expel sin from the heart. What do you say? Amen. 
In other words, we know the what and the where. When we heard the last day events and the movements and the last generation, the character of Christ perfectly reproduced within us. But we're told inspiration in the Word of God that the, the how and the why is lacking because we're still here over 160 years later, are we not? So had they not gotten the message, did not our pioneers not know what the message was? They knew what the message. They rejected the message of the how and the why. And the how and the why this morning, beloved, I'm going to suggest to you what it says right here. It is the only agent. Love is the agent which he uses to expel sin from the heart. Beloved, we need a generation that had not only experienced but seen the character of God's love. What do you say, beloved? Amen? Amen. That's what God wants within us this morning. So as we look upon the cross and the love of God and the stars in His Word, may the roots of sin and selfishness be expelled from my heart and your heart. Let us pray. Father, as Joe, we humbly open Your Word and pray for heart reform this morning, that the reform in our lives may follow. And Lord, come in. And change us, as was shared in the Sabbath school, change us from the inside out. And so, Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We thank you for already answering our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. When did God love us? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Notice the Bible says, The Bible says, But God commends his love toward us, in that while we were yet, what? Sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. While we were yet sinners, while we didn't follow God, obey God, guess what? God still loved you. God still loved you. I want you to remember this. God, in other words, before you became converted, before you, you believed, God loved you this morning. What a God we serve. What do you say? Amen? Amen. Yes. Not only that, look at verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we should be saved by His life. In other words, while you were not thinking about God, while you hated God, while you're his, the enemy of God, guess what? God still loves you. What a God we serve. Amen? And this God, in other words, while you are still sinning and hating God, God still loves you. You see, His love for you is not based upon what you do, what you are, or even what you can become. But His love, God never changes, and God is love, we're told. His love never changes. His love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it doesn't waver. And He loves you so much. And this love that you see, it will change you. John 3.16 says, For God so what? Loved the world that He what? gave His only begotten Son that whosoever shall what? Believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So we know that text. But I want you to notice the order of that text. Now, it doesn't say that you must believe first and then God loves you and then God gives you. Is that what it says? No. God loves you first, right? And then 
He gives you the blessings to see that love. And then it says you believe. In other words, because of the love God sends to you first, He's the initiator. We're the responders. When we see that love that God has for us, guess what? It's going to change your life. When you see the true picture of God's character in Exodus 33 and 34, when you see the character of God's, the glory of God, His character, His name, His goodness, His love, when you see God's love, it will so transform you that there will be a final generation whose character will be revealing the character of God's love. I want that. And God is waiting for His people to reveal this love to people all around them who are dying and starving. I appreciate the interview this morning. That there are many people out here. We were walking by people here, even at Loma Linda University, who we don't even know, but down deep inside, maybe they're hurting inside. Maybe there are people who are longing for something they're searching for. You know what they're longing for? They're longing for love this morning. We were created to love and to be loved this morning. And God has called every single one of us to share this love. And when this love comes into our lives, we were experiencing it would transform people's lives. I believe it. I've seen it. How? I've experienced it in my life. I've seen that what it was before. It was the love of God in my life. When it came into my life, it transformed me. But guess what? I got so involved in doctrines. I got so involved in evangelism. Evangelism is good, by the way. Because you're doing it. What do you say? Amen? Amen. I got involved in last day events. But you know what I forgot about? I got so involved in the good things that I've forgotten the best thing, which is the love of God. And we need to go back to the heart reform. Heart reform comes first. God loves us. You see that love. You believe. And that belief, you know, the disciples asked Jesus, how may we work the works of God? And what did Jesus say? You must what? Believe. In other words, when you truly believe God's character love, it will transform you that you will have the works of God worked out in your life this morning. And that's what God wants within you and I this morning. Now let's go to, we're going to go through a couple of stories, a few stories. Turn with me to John chapter 4, verse 13. We're looking at the woman at Sychar. John chapter 4, verse 13. The woman at the well. What did Christ say to the woman at the well? Let's go through this story together. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. Here we have a woman there at the well, and her past life was so bad, she wanted to keep it quiet. Everyone else came to the well in the, in the morning or in the evening where it's cooler. But this woman came purposely in the noon of day. Why? So that she wouldn't see people gossiping about her and talking about her life. In other words, she was afraid of people. They knew how she was like. And because they knew how she was like, they didn't want anything part of with her, anything to do with her. You know anyone like that? You ever been there yourself? This woman was afraid of everyone else because they knew how her life was and they didn't like her. And then it says here in 14, what else happened? What did Jesus do? The Bible says, and Jesus said, But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus offered this woman living water. 
You see, this woman, she was looking for love. You know, like it was said, she was looking for love in all the wrong places, right? She was looking for this love in all the wrong places. And she was looking for this love because within every single one of us is a desire to love and to be loved. That's why God created us. We were made in the image of God, and God is love. And we're made in that image. We were meant to love and to be loved. And so this woman was searching for love. She's going to this person and that person, and she did not find it. And so Jesus said that you're going to be looking for in the world, and you're going to thirst more. You're going to think that this thing that you're doing, this idol we talked about in Sabbath school, you're looking for this love, and it's not going to satisfy. You're looking for love in a relationship with a boyfriend, it's not going to satisfy. In a girlfriend, in a husband, in a wife, or a child. You're not going to find this love. There's only one place you can find this satisfying water of love, and that is through Jesus Christ. What do you say? Amen? Amen. And He comes with this message, and He wants us to experience the heart reform that He wants each one of us to have. And when we have this heart reform on the inside, there will be obedience on the outside. And God will change you. He'll transform you. And you, you, know, you cannot fake God's character of love. You know, we can put the outside external obedience and look good, right? Can we not? But a lot of times there's emptiness on the inside. There's loneliness on the inside. There's a desire for a heart longing, a deep soul longing for something more. And that more that God wants within you and I this morning is the more called the love of God. And when we see God's glory, which is His character, His goodness, by beholding that love, guess what's going to happen to us? We become changed into the very image from glory, character, to character. And we thus will reflect the character of God within my life and your life. What happened? What did the woman then ask Jesus? The woman said unto him in 15, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She wanted this water. Look at verse 16. What did Jesus say? And 17, Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no what? Husband. I want you to notice what Jesus did. Jesus just entered into a forbidden realm of this woman's life. Did, she, did he not? Where she thought no one knew about her life. This is a stranger. He's not a Samaritan. And he came into her life, and all of a sudden, he goes into the forbidden realm of her life. See, this, this woman was afraid of everyone knowing because she knew that whoever she told about her life, her promiscuous lifestyle, no one liked her. No one liked to hang around her. All she got was dirty looks and gossip. Now, this woman must have been thinking to herself, if you only knew who I really was, you probably wouldn't be talking to me. And yet, this man, Jesus, still talked with her. It's because of this she gave a short answer. Notice her answer. She said this. She said, I have no husband. In other words, period. Short answer, end of story. Let's move on to the next stop topic in the conversation, right? He, she wanted to get away from this because it was pressing home about her relational life, her deep issues within her heart. She was dealing with these issues. You know, a lot of times we come to church, we like to talk theological issues, and debate on t certain topics, but you know the heart is still empty, even in laughter, right? It says in Proverbs. 
And so in our hearts, we're longing for something more. In our hearts, we're longing, we're desiring. In our souls, there's a deep heart searching for something more than what we're experiencing in our lives. And that, that calling, every time that feeling comes into your life, that is the calling and the wooing of the Holy Spirit. And He's coming to you and He wants to speak to you this morning and to me. Now what happens in 17 and 18? Jesus said unto her, You have said well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and he who you have now is not your husband, and that says thou truly. In other words, you had five husbands. You got married, looking for love. It didn't work out. You got a divorce. You got married again. It didn't work out. You got a divorce. You got married again. Divorce. Married, divorce. Married, divorce. This woman was searching for love in her life, not realizing the true source of true love, because God is love. And she's looking for this love. And number six man was a man she was shacking up with. That's number six. And man number seven was Jesus. He was a perfect solution for the love, that God is love, that fulfilled the longings, the deep heart stirrings of her heart and the longings of her soul. He knew, she knew that this was what she wanted all her life. You see, Jesus made it known to the woman that he knew all the dark secrets about her life, and yet he still loved her. He knew all the bad things about her, and he still talked to her. He still loved her. I know people, you know, they say, I don't hate homosexuals, but you know, they ostracize and they won't talk to them. You know, yeah, we may say we don't love them, but do we isolate ourselves from them? Do you have a heart full of love that you're willing to go by anyone and share the love of God to them? Those people who are hungering for love. You see, the reason why we, don't, we put our best foot forward wherever we go is because we want people to accept us and not to reject us. True? So wherever we go to a party or the church, we, want, we put up a good front. We don't want people to know who we really are because we believe that if they knew who we really were, they wouldn't love us and accept us. But that's not how God works. God knows everything there's to know about us, including our sins. And guess what? He still loves us this morning. And this is how God wants us to treat other people. He wants to love us, other people so much that whoever walks in through those doors back there, that we will love them with an everlasting love. What do you say? Amen? When evangelistic meetings come, you know, as all people, I've, we've been to so many evangelistic meetings in my churches in Hawaii. But you know what I realized? That after the excitement's gone, the study of the word and the feelings is gone. What next? God's people need to reflect his character of love to them. What do you say? Amen. What's the purpose of having these people coming to our church? You know, I always make the parallel. What's the purpose? Like, if we're paralleling the culture out there. And this is the culture. The culture is that people don't want to get married, but they want to have the fun of sex. Right? And producing babies, right? Let me parallel to the church. No, we, and they don't like to train the children, raise up their children. And let the grandparents raise them. Let someone else raise them, right? That's the parallel. Let me parallel to the church. We like to reproduce and have evangelism. We get so excited, do we not? Amen? Evangelism. And we like to have sex, produce these children, see them get baptized. But we don't want to take the responsibility of mentoring and nurturing these souls into the love of God. What do you say, church? Amen? Because no one, we're paralleling the culture that we don't want to take the responsibility. We don't want to sacrifice because it's hard. It's easy to have a child, but it's hard to raise up a godly child. What do you say? Amen. That's what God wants us. 
to be a generation that reflects this character in our homes, in our church homes. The elder cannot, and the Bible says, be an elder unless he first takes care of his home, right? Take care of your home first. In other words, you are mentoring your children. You are nurturing your children in the love of God. And if you're good at that, you're going to be a good elder because all the people come in, they're going to stay. They're not going to come into the front door of your home. You know, what's the point of bringing everyone to a home, my home, and I attract everyone and they stay for six months while I have a back door and they're always running away from my home? What's the point of bringing evangelism and bringing them all into our church, but they're running away from church and they're not coming back six months or a year from now? You know, God gives us parallels in the Word that we not make the same, the same mistakes. And so this woman, for the first time in her life, she had met someone who had every right to condemn her, but wouldn't. For the first time in her life, she had realized that she was fully known and yet fully loved. And that's what every one of you want this morning. Turn to our next story. Well, let's go look at John 4, 29. Look what it says here. What, what does she see? She says, come see a man. This is what's her testimony. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this a Christ? Verse 39. Um, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. In other words, her testimony was this. He was talking to me. He loved me. And guess what? Even though he was, he was talking to me and loved me, he was still talking to me, even though he knew everything about me. And her testimony was this, going out, that come see a man which knew everything about my life, all the evil and wickedness, and he still loved me. I was fully known and yet fully loved. Experienced in her life. Let's look at another woman, John chapter 8. Verse 3. John chapter 8 in your Bibles. Verse 3. We had Jesus here with the relig- religious leaders. Notice what the Bible says. John chapter 8, verse 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him Jesus, a woman, taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, what, but what sayest thou? See, the religious leaders of the church had set this woman up to commit adultery, right? They were to blame for this whole situation. They had set her up. In other words, these religious, these church leaders didn't really care about this woman. They didn't even care if she died. They couldn't care for this person as an individual. They could care less about this person. And then there was a man that came. She brought him to Jesus. And in verse 6, what did Jesus do? Notice the Bible says, this they said, tempting that him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So Jesus went down and started writing now, what is he writing? Does anyone know? Sins. How do you know he's writing the sins? Very good. Because Ellen White said, good. <laughs> finger. Where in the Bible do you see God's finger writing? In the Old Testament. Ten Commandments. Ah, the law, right? Where else is he? 
Daniel. What is it written? What's on the wall right before Babylon falls? The judgment, right? So the law and judgment revealing the sins of these people, right? So that's what's happening here in this situation, revealing the sins of these people. And they see the sins that's happening and they become convicted of their sins one by one. And what did Jesus say to the church leaders now? These are the pastors, the church leadership, the church board at that time. What did he, what did he say? John chapter 8, verse 7. So when they continue asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Who's without sin, throw the stone. Now, if you put yourself in this woman's place, if you're that woman and you hear those words, he without sin, if you hear those words, cast the first stone, what are you thinking? This is it, right? Run. <laughs> this is it. In other words, you expecting to die. You expect the stones to start hitting you. You thought it, you you were expecting to experience death, to feel the pelts of the stone hitting you one by one until there's no breath within you, right? But in the church leadership, what happened next? What did the people then do? Verse eighty nine. When they saw the commandments of God, the Bible says here. And again he stooped down and rolled on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the elders, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. In other words, one by one, those who were came to condemn, they left. And all that was left was the woman and Jesus. How did you, what did Jesus say to this woman? Look at verse 10 and 11. The Bible says, When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are those your accusers? Has no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin. What? No more. I want you to notice the order again. I'm very much into the order of the Bible. It doesn't say here, Go and sin no more, and then I'll not condemn you. True? It says here, because I love you, I don't condemn you. And because you see my love and not condemn you, guess what? You're going to go and you're not going to sin no more because love is the power that expels sin from the heart. What do you say? Amen? In other words, he knew everything about her. He knew about her past life. He knew about her sins. He knew everything that she did wrong. So he knew all the, all the people who were gossiping about her, who hated her who wanted nothing to do with her. He knew all these things about her, and guess what? He still loved her and didn't condemn her. What a God we serve, amen? In other words, here was a woman, a woman who knew that she was fully known and yet fully loved. That's the love God has for you this morning. Not only for me, but for everyone else. And that's the love that God wants us to reveal to a dying people out there this morning. Let's go to our last story. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. What did God ask Hosea to do? Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. A love a love that goes beyond culture and church 
where the church leaders were condemning this woman. All they had was condemnation. And the contrast was, here was a man who knew everything and loved her still. And this love melted her heart, her sin-hardened heart, and love awakened within her. And we're going to go to our last story here. What did God ask Hosea to do? Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, the Bible says, The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, and children of whoredoms, for the land has committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. In other words, here's a woman who's promiscuous, and why don't you go and marry this woman of whoredoms and take her on as your bride? And as a prophet of God, he takes her on. But not only was she sleeping with all these men before they got married, but guess what? She continued her lifestyle and began to sleep with other men while married to the prophet of God. Can you imagine that? Look at verse 9. What did God ask Hosea and Gomer to name the third child? The Bible says in verse 9, Then God said, Then said God, Call his name Loami, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. You see, Loami means not my people. In other words, all of Hosea's children, you're going to find out in chapter 2, all of Hosea's children were not from him, but it was all from other men. I mean, his wife, while they were married, go out and not only cheat, but she had children, a son and a daughter, and all the children were from other men. Do you feel Hosea's pain? You ever had anyone ever cheat on you? And a boyfriend or girlfriend? Stolen kiss to maybe a husband and a wife who was unfaithful and cheated on you? Slept with other people? You ever had that experience? Well, Hosea did. And he knew what it was like to be married to someone who was sleeping around. And the hurt and the pain of such feelings was running deep within him. And while it was running all deep and she was being wined and dined by all these men and she was going out all these different places and she left him, Notice what happens next. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel. God told Hosea to go and love Gomer. Love this adulterous woman, even though while she was still yet in adultery. In other words, she did not come home. God asked Hosea, I want you to go out and I want you to search for this woman who's still in whoredom, still being a whore. Now, can you imagine what God was asking Hosea to do? As Hosea was searching for his wife, Hosea remembered all those lonely nights waiting up for his wife. He remembered all those drawn-out vacations with her supposed girlfriends. He remembered all those, those nights where she came home with the smell of other men's cologne. Can you imagine? The experience, and now God wants her to go out, God wants him to go out and go and call his woman, who probably is sleeping with another man, and he goes out and search for his, his wife. God wants him to love this woman. He goes out, and what does he find in verse 2? You know the Bible says here? So I bought her to me, for 15 pieces of silver, for Homer barley and half a Homer of barley. Hosea finds his wife in the slave markets of prostitution. 
And he ends up buying his wife back for not even worth $100. Here was a woman who at one time was so beautiful and happy and wanted to be dated by all the most, the most wealthiest and the richest and the most um, good-looking of all men. And now he finds her in the slave markets, not even worth $100. I want you to put yourself in Gomer's place. You're miserable and depressed for how your life has turned out. It's not what you thought it was going to be like. And there you are kneeling down. And they're bidding for you $25, $50, $75. And then you hear that familiar voice. You look up and you see the kind face of your husband. And although you knew that you were not worthy, although you knew that you had given him many sleepless nights, although you knew that all of your children were from other men, you knew that somehow he still loved you. And it's at this point that you finally realize that you were fully known by your husband and yet fully loved. And what did God say? Verse 3, look at verse 3. And I said unto her, You shall abide for me many days. You shall not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. In other words, he told her there were conditions to come back. And you know what? Gomer was willing to be obedient to everything Hosea did. Why? Because she had experienced the love of her husband. And what's the parallel? Look at, parallel, look at verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. God compared the love of Hosea that he had for his adulterous wife as compared with the love he has for adulterous seven-day Adventists like you and me. And God wants to reveal His love, and He comes with His love. And when we experience His love, it will change us, and we will go and sin no more. And even though we've been unfaithful to God and committed spiritual adultery with the things of this world, God searches us out like Hosea, and He comes with His love, and He comes to you and I this morning. He wants to reveal to you that you, this morning, beloved, you are fully known and yet fully loved. When we finally realize this love, we will do whatsoever he asks us, whatever he asks us to do. We will obey whatever he asks us to obey. We will serve him wherever he asks us to serve. Beloved, this morning, do you believe in a God who knows everything about you? And yet he still loves you. There is a true story of a woman in Brazil. And this young lady named Christina... She was in the country living with her mom, Maria. And as she's out there, she was longing to the day she turned 18. She could go into the city of Rio and live her life and her dreams that she always wanted. Finally, that day came, she packed up without telling her mom, and she went into the city. Her mom realizing what she had done. Maria quickly went out with all her money. She went out and she bought into this little photo booths and took all the pictures of herself and picture after picture after picture of herself. Finally, she got, ran out of money and she went into the city and day after day she went into the worst places because she realized that pride would take you to no extent. Realized a daughter could possibly go into prostitution. And so she went into the prostitution homes and she went into the bars and to the nightclubs and every crevice she put a picture of her 
herself on top of the glass between the phone books and the phone boots, everywhere she could. Finally, she ran out of money and she went back to her country home. A month later, her daughter Christina is walking down the steps, realizing that her life had turned out to be a life full of unsatisfied dreams in her life. She's walking down and she's going to use the phone and there she sees on the bulletin board a picture of her mother and she's thinking, what is a picture of a mother doing in this prostitution home? And then she goes up and she comes, comes closer and she picks up the picture. She looks at it and she flips it over. And then it says, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, it doesn't matter. Just come home. And beloved, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. And I'm not talking about these gr- gross external sins that we Adventists are not guilty of. But I'm talking about the gross internal sins of pride, of selfishness that we have in our hearts. God wants, it doesn't matter where you've been, God wants us to have a new heart reform and a new heart this morning. What do you say, church? Amen? And He wants you and I to have an experience this morning. Beloved, isn't it time that you came home? This morning... I want to close with a song. We want to close with a song this morning. And I want us to think about the words that God does not love you because of what, you are, what, what you've done or what you've become. God loves you and I because just for you. At this time, Kathy will be singing. And I'm going to make an appeal. This morning, maybe God has spoken to your heart. Maybe you feel that you want to come home. Maybe this morning you feel that you want to experience that love. You know the intellectual knowledge, but you want to experience that love. God has spoken to you. I'm going to make an appeal to you as they sing this song. That you may experience a love that not loving you for what you've done, what you're doing or what you will become because that's how the world loves. But you want to experience the love that only can come from God which is a love that will love you for just who you are. You want to experience that so we can be the final generation that will have the character of Christ perfectly reproduced within us. This morning, I'm going to make an appeal. I know where you are, you may be comfortable, but I like to break the, the comfortableness of places I go. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to make an appeal that you want to make a full commitment to God and say, I want this love, God. I want you to show me your glory, like Moses said, before you went into the promised land. I want you to show me your character of love. And I swear in my life to you that maybe go and sin no more. I invite you to, I'll make a appeal, not for everyone, if you're only serious, and God just needs only one person, but whoever want to feel committed, I want to step forward by faith because you sacrificed so much for me, God, I want to come down. I invite you to come down to the front we're going to end with a prayer here. Anyone here want to just come forward as Kathleen sings this song? Love me for me. Come. Just one person. Doesn't need that much people. But anyone who has a, the courage, the courage, I know it takes courage, come. Come here to sing.
one else. Come. Come. Father in heaven, we're grateful for the love you have for us, not for what we have done or even what we will become, but loving us for just who we are. And Lord, no one knows the heart of anyone here. You know what's going on in everyone's heart and their soul. We pray that you may answer their prayer, individual prayers that's going out at this time. Everyone who came forward, given us strength, reveal to them your character so we may go into the home to the promised land. Show us your glory. Show us your character. Bless everyone here in, this, in Advent Hope. We thank you, Lord, for already answering our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. You may return. <laughs>